0: This is the So You're in Sales Podcast. This episode of the So You're in Sales Podcast is brought to you by Badger Maps. Do you work in field sales? Then you've experienced what I've experienced, leaving the house, driving around, visiting customers, and popping into potential new accounts without having a real plan of action. It's easy to waste time driving around until I tried Badger. Badger. Badger is a route planner for field sales teams and it can help you sell up to 25% more by optimizing your driving routes and meeting schedule. Cool, right? Badger can knock 20% off the amount of time you spend driving around each day and that's more time to get deals closed. Badger will also automatically update your customer information in your CRM so it'll get your sales manager off your back too. Never be late to a sales meeting again and start your free trial of Badger Maps today by heading to badgermaps.com slash podcast. That's badgermaps.com insalespodcast and start your free trial today. Hi there, everybody. I wanted to start off by thanking you so much from the bottom of my heart for all of the notes and comments and likes and shares of the previous episode with Amanda Delaney regarding mental health. We've really been blown away with the response to that particular episode, and we wanted to build on that discussion point, given how important it appears to be in the hearts and minds of the people who are listening to the podcast these days. So to do that, I brought in Finka Jergovic, who wrote the book, Self From Love. And in this discussion, we really kind of dive into the elements that are necessary in order to be able to Rebuild yourself in the manner in which Amanda was able to do in the previous episode and think about the ways that you can structure your offer and your activity and your business in a manner in which would allow your clients to really be able to see you from the authentic place that they would need to in order to make a buying decision in the kind of scale that all of us are hoping for in this moment when there appears to be just tremendous opportunity. Finka's book, again, is Sell from Love, and I really think that there is a lot to be gathered from this interview. Give it a listen. And Finka's taken almost a generation's time of sales experience and put her heart and soul into these really well-written pages of how one might approach something similar to that. So this is why I say thank you for coming okay. on this show.
1: You're welcome. Great. I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank so, you. So
0: I often in my discourse believe in this concept of competitive differentiation Mm -hmm. and maybe more so now than ever, the notion of having an offering that is different and unique from the other choices that are available to your potential buyer maybe has never been more important. And yet for many people, there's a gap between knowing that that's something that's necessary and having an understanding of how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So what I really want like for, for you and I to kind of pull apart in this discussion is because of our experience, because of our attunement to this notion of needing to have a differentiated offer, how on earth are we going to reimagine things, Finka? How, how are we going to do this? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some rope here to sort of like, how did you arrive at a moment when you said, oh my God, there's a book here that I have to get out of my body? Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us about that story.
1: So when I think about the whole construct of what self from love is based on is literally the impetus of I was writing the book in 2019 and this was all pre COVID before everything had kind of, everything had changed and we're in 2020 and life is looking a whole lot different. And it wasn't even what was, I don't know. There's a saying that, you know, um, it's kind of, I can't remember. What, it's something to the effect of it's an idea whose time has come. Wow. And that's what I really felt Self from love is about. It is about that there was all this change, all this turmoil, all this fear that is in the system, meaning how we are living, how we are showing up in our workplaces, in our society, in our cultures, and how best to um, solve that and move forward then from a place of love. And so for me when you know when it came to continuing to say you know is self from love is it an opportunity right now it was actually the best opportunity because we were so fueled by fear. Fear for our health and well-being, fear for our livelihoods, fear for our economy, feel fear of what's going to happen to humanity. I love what the book allows us to do. It gives us a framework of how do you approach an opportunity like this when there is so much fear. And so we can show up in two ways. Either we're living, leading, and selling from a place of fear, or we're living, leading, and selling from a place of love. And that place of fear creates scarcity Um, it creates sort of that there's not enough to go around. It has us only interested in one person or one company or one organization. And it's me, the me in the, in the equation. And it's very short-sighted. So when we think about opportunities that are happening in the world today and how do you take advantage of reimagining a future, when we come from a place of fear, guess what? We're actually going to choose and make decisions that are very short-sighted. They're going to help me in the immediate short term and what I need to solve right now. When we come from a place of love, we're showing up with transparency, candor, and honesty. So there's this level of authenticity that it's not even just this authentic, just be who you are, but there is a level of authentic integrity where leaders and organizations are also showing up with, hey, I made a mistake. We did it wrong. We're going to do better and do right next time. But we're also coming from a place of service and looking to do good, not only for ourselves, but for the customers and clients we serve, and as well, the economies and the communities and the environments that we are, you know, taking up space in, uh, we have to be that mindful. And when we are reimagining our future, when we come from this place of love, it's not that we're not caring. We, we do are interested in the short term. We are, there is this play of we've got to satisfy certain immediate needs, but our eyes and our And our mindset is on a bigger vision and a bigger mission that has a future state and outcome that we are working towards being better because of, but we're doing the action that we need to do today to create that in the future. It's not so much like I think of, you know, most of my career is spent in banking and financial services. So well over two decades. And we were always interested. There's always like, all right, quarterly profits, what are we going, how are things going to show up for our shareholders? And shareholders are important, but they're not the only person and the only stake that is investing in an organization. You've got employees, leaders, customers, uh, the community. All of these are stakeholders that we need to be mindful of. And I love um, the work of conscious capitalism and conscious leadership because they help us look at how do we broaden that definition from shareholder to stakeholders because there's more people at the table that we need to be interested and invested in because the other ways is very much short-sighted. So the premise of self-from love is really around three pillars. One, we are focusing on how do we love who we are. And so that's really showing up as a leader in your business, as a leader of your organization, as employees and team members of sales teams. How do you love who you are and be you? Number two, how do you love your client? And we can talk more about all these areas if you like. But really, how do you show up from that place of empathy and truly understanding what problems they have, what do they need solved, and how do you do that differently and uniquely than anyone else? And then finally, how do you love the thing that you're selling? And so you know, how do you look at the product, the service, the, uh, the, the thing that you're putting out in the world? How do you look at that as a way to deliver transformations to your customers and clients that you're looking to serve them with? And at the same time, how do they positively impact our communities, our economies, and our environment?
0: making notes because I know in your in the ex- extensive time that you've spent in the job that you've done, independent of the book, right? So the work fuels the research, becomes the book, allows you the platform. Those things have to all. Generally, you don't just dream up a book. It usually comes from practice, right? And so you've performed hundreds of sessions with thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And in those sessions, because it was pre-COVID, those oftentimes were people making a choice to examine this. And I think the difference now is because of the pause that we were all forced to go through that these, it's, it's not a choice in a lot of ways. It's a necessity on the part of anyone who is responsible for the sales line in the organization as we start to look at what is the approach going to be, especially in the context of most sales organizations let most, if not all, of their salespeople go. So we have to recraft the organization. We have to rehire a team of people in order to take the message to the street But maybe I'm not emotionally or mentally even capable of imagining what it is that you and I are talking about in this moment. I know in the sessions pre-COVID that there were instances where people that maybe were somewhat skeptical and reluctant were participating. Is there a moment typically in that transformation that you can point to and say this is generally when the thing, when the change happens, that if someone that I just described is listening to this might want to be like, okay, how, how would I get directly to that moment of transformation? Because I think a lot of people are thinking that they have to do it, but maybe they don't know exactly how to get started in that process.
1: So the the big part of the light bulb going up, off is actually continue to show up. Often we have this idea that if I show up to the workshop, hire the coach, do the copy, write the sales page that magically, you know, click, click by client in my office or here on zoom or whatever it might be. It's, it's just that easy. And Not that we've been sold a bill of goods, that is not true. It does happen that way, but it happens when we continue to show up. And so what happens is sometimes we'll, in the workshop, we're... I'm, I'm stuck. I can't figure it out. And then we just leave it. And then we go take another workshop. And then we go take another workshop. What if you actually took it and went out and applied it? <laughs> like, what if you actually used it with a client? What if you actually used the words to articulate it and communicate it? And what I find where the transformation happens is when we get outside of our head, off of our computer, out of the course and out of the workshop, and actually in with our real clients. And so for me, my process, and this is what I teach with all my clients, um, in the work that we do under the with Sell from Love is, we all talk about go sell the outline, sell the outline, and then as you because the outline is what you're really selling. You're selling the the transformation, the outcomes, uh, and the problem that you're looking to solve with your client often we get so stuck in the details of what's it going to look like in the process, how we're going to do it. That's not actually what we're selling eventually. And so then when we have our client and the client finally says, yes, and this is with me with often what I would do is sell the outline. And then with my client, we're collaborating mm-hmm. and we're working on how do we together I come with expertise with knowledge with know-how frameworks all those wonderful things and at the same time so does my client they also have expertise knowledge and how do we create a solution together that allows them to get the results they want and me to be a facilitator in those outcomes and that's how the transformation happens is by actually doing it and so you know we can get stuck in the words figuring out what do I have to put on my bio on my about page on my sales page write the words, get a good draft, and then just go start putting it out there. Put it out there and let your clients mirror back to you. Eventually you do it enough times, the light bulb goes off.
0: Yeah. And it's the study of the practice itself, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing you can do best is to sit down and say to yourself, like, well, what elements would I have to alter or change in total in order to be able to achieve the objective that I seek? Because It won't just be a workshop. It won't just be an exercise. It will be a set of decisions that you have to make in order to be able to implement them in a way that, one, you can measure and make sure that you're actually achieving where it is you're trying to go. But more importantly, it's more of a comprehensive look at what your future would want to look like because here's where I see it, Finca, is if I can ably communicate what that future is going to look like for my brand... That's what's going to attract both my employees and my
1: customers. Yes? I mean... Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you're also illustrating is what is the... What is the stake you're committing to? So you are investing in yourself for an outcome that you are committing to create for yourself. The same thing with our brands and how are we going to differentiate ourselves when we make those commitments? Because when your brand is a commitment and a promise to a certain outcome to your ideal clients, that's what you're presenting. When you make that commitment, then it actually, you are now at... You know, you, you put your, your, your reputation, your business on the line, and now you have to live up to it. Right. And so all of a sudden, you know, how you, it helps us as leaders in our business live up to the expectations and the potential that we see in ourselves and for our companies and the impact that we have when we make those you know bold ambitions or audacious goals out to our clients you know i worked for an organization that their commitment was to create the the you know the the exceptional client experience and that as the vision was the thing that everyone always that was the mantra this the sort of the tattoo that we all had everything we had to do was was this going to deliver an expe- exceptional client experience and the focus wasn't around the transactional part of the business. It was like, how do we stay committed to ex- exceptional client experience so we can build long-lasting, loyal relationships? And then it becomes the DNA of your organization. And so I look at you know leaders in organizations, founders, and the CEOs, like you guys are the walking sort of... Uh, representation for the rest of the organization of if you breathe it, you live it, and you are walking examples of it, that ripple effect is what the the culture and the organization is going to take on. And it has to be aspirational. It has to be something we're not doing. It has to be who we want to become more of. And so there is the version of who we are. That's why we set goals. That's why we have big visions. That's why we want more and and, and so it may not be what you're doing right now, but you, it's something you see yourself doing two years, five years, 10 years from now. That is what we all get excited for.
0: There, uh, uh, I'll bring social media sort of into the context of the conversation. So there's this whole idea of celebrity CEOs on social media. And mm-hmm. what I find really interesting about that notion is, in most instances, all that's really going on is that individual really has done exactly what you're saying. They're, they're willing to publicly present what it is that their organization is stating as their desired state so that the CEO or whichever member of the organization's you know, organizational chart is doing that work, they're really kind of serving as, as the lighthouse. For the organization 's uh, employees, but also for the people in the marketplace who share and are in alignment with that notion, and by doing that in a very public way, even if you stumble right because we know what happens when you stumble, you you will definitely be called out. but the difference is is if you 're true to it, even if you stumble, it doesn 't appear to be hypocrisy. Mm-hmm we're on a journey and you talk a lot about in the book about the idea of like, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I'm not exactly certain what we need to do here. But if we're using really what we're calling the values of your brand as the guidepost to help lead you in that journey. If you look backwards in time, typically what you find is more often than not, you will make the right decision as opposed to being inconsistent in your decision-making.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's something about, you know, um, as leaders in organizations, I I love that you pointed out like that. I don't know. I think it's important when we can come from a place of, um, there's like those, um, I, let's say we talk about confidence. There's the bucket of confidence where I don't feel confident. And you have two types of people when they're insecure and either they're going to withdraw and they pull back or they're going to overcompensate and actually push forward more and they're overconfident. And so there's these two extremes of how confidence, when someone is not confident, how they can show up. Uh, insecure, can, underconfident can actually pull back or it could be overcompensated on and then we're like, louder and more more of us shows up both of them come from this place of insecurity and i love this place of natural confidence of how do we tap into this natural place of confidence that even if you don't know as a leader or you stumble and fall that you can actually show up and say i don't know or I could do better. That is the sense of safety and security as leaders in organizations. Like we really need to practice. And this is like an individual journey that how you show up in this way will actually represent how your organization and the team shows up as well. But there's four statements I always love to have um, around how do you know if you're coming from a place of natural confidence? When you can say, I don't know, from a real easy place. Like, I just don't know. I need some help. I'm like, you know, baffled by this. I need some, I I don't know. The next is I need help. Mm-hmm. So being willing and able to ask for help. Um, the third is I made a mistake. And so when you can come from a place of that authentic integrity and being able to show up in your, in your, in your leadership saying, you know, I made a mistake. And then the fourth one is I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And that one could be the hardest um, because, you know, as leaders and businesses and CEOs and, and founders, and as you're putting yourself out there, we, especially when we use the social media construct, everything looks so ideal. Everything looks so perfect. And if we come from this place of vulnerability where I don't know, I need to ask for help, I'm scared, or I made a mistake... Um, then all of a sudden that might actually illustrate or demonstrate weakness where we've got it all wrong, where it actually demonstrates strength and Mm -hmm. the power of us to show up in our authentic leadership.
0: It's so counterintuitive to what you and I were taught growing up. Mm -hmm. When it comes to especially your professional career, it's sort of the minute that you allow anything to be perceived as a negative, that somehow that has... Permanently deflated your ability for success. When in reality, almost everyone that I know that's had any real uh, extended period of high performance, it's come with some falls. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that person's willingness to not let that be the pin that pops the balloon that oftentimes allows that person to have maybe even a meteor- meteoric return from whatever fall real or perceived they may have experienced. So uh, my guess is there are people who would be listening to this that would say, but like, no, that's exactly the opposite of what they're even preaching in their own organizations is this notion of ironclad, mis- mistake-free, oh, you yeah. know, Outward. perfect.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. I came from, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those, um, you know, in the corporate space, especially like the draft version of you or a presentation or a proposal like there, it is not, um, it wasn't acceptable. It, you can show up that way, but the fear of the consequences, because that first impression is, And that next impression, like that's the last impression. And if there's some high stake rollers in that room or VPs that you need to impress, all of a sudden, all that pressure's on. And so I remember a particular situation where I was called into, um, I was in HR at the time and they were looking to redesign the HR business partner role, which supports the business from an HR perspective, from a human resources perspective. And I was hired from the learning team to help them develop this role. And this, the learning curriculum for this, the role of how they were reimagining the HR business partner role. And I remember it was the first meeting that they called me in, and I'm like the subject matter expert. And we're sitting there, and they're talking about the program and what they're looking to create and what their outcomes were. And they had the all the, you know, the, these learning design models on the, on the whiteboard, and there were some senior executives in the room. And then they look over at me, the person that was facilitating, they're like, so Finka, what do you have to add? And I'm just like, like literally deer in the headlights, like, um, (laughs) you know, I, and for me, I really, at that moment, it was the first time I was hearing about everything. I really didn't have anything to contribute. And it was one of those defining moments for me, where am I going to choose overconfidence and just blurt something out, or am I going to come from a place of natural confidence and say, I don't know? Right. And so that's what I did. I'm like, I'm going to actually look like more of a fool if I try to like, try to do something out of this versus, and so I said, you know what, this all sounds great. Um, however, I still have to, this is the first time I'm hearing this material. I do have to need some time to process and take it in. How about I get back to you with my thoughts? In a few days, or you know, when I, when I have something to add, and they said, "All right, no problem." Right. And in that moment, it was like, "Oh, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> like it's okay." And so I think we've not only have the systems and the culture created this need for no draft versions, needs to be perfect. You got to perform one hundred and ten percent every time. Can't make a mistake. we fueled that belief because we are continuing to contribute to it. So in that moment, I chose not to contribute. And that funny thing that happened the following week, we're at that same meeting, all those senior VPs and everybody's in there. And it was so beautiful because then they said they were doing again, the whiteboarding and stuff. And they looked over at me and they said, Finca, Do you need some time or do you have anything to add? And I'm like, oh, this is so cool because it didn't, my I don't know didn't spoil my reputation. It didn't make me look bad. It actually taught them how I could contribute and where my best value and what do I need? And that's what we're teaching people. And so in that moment, I was like, no, I actually have something to add. And I added what I had to add. But I think there's this place of, we have created these cultures of perfection and pleasing and proving and performing and no draft versions allowed it actually feels how we show up in our businesses. We have to take it upon ourselves to unlearn those behaviors, unlearn that mindset that it has to be right the first time. And instead, what I said earlier, sell the outline, go sell the message, put it out there. If it's not working, your clients are going to give you feedback. Then you go back and guess what the beautiful thing about websites, you just go into WordPress or, you know, uh, GoDaddy or Wix, wherever your website is, you just do a tweak on that copy. It is so simple. It is right. so forgiving. Like literally you can post something and minutes later, go fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the, the place that we get stuck in is not only the constructs and the environments that we are working and living in, but also how are we contributing to them? Like we got to change those, right. like we got to make it okay that it doesn't have to be right all the time the first time. Like I get, you know, my, my, my guidepost right now is I remember doing this when I was doing the, when I was back at the bank and we'd go around conferences and I would do a workshop and I'd travel to six different locations, do the same presentation six times, exact same presentation. And it was a brand new built presentation. So I would, it was a new workshop that I'd have to build the first time compared to the lot, like the sixth time, like not, I feel not that I feel bad for the first people, but the sixth time was like, oh, so much better. Like even the people that were like with the conference team, they're like, wow, the first one was good. But now this sixth one, it is amazing. Right. But that's what, and when we get to that sixth try, of everything that we do and we're on that seventh, that's actually when we got it. Yeah. That's when it's ready to be put out there in the marketplace. You can get on that rooftop and sing the praises of it. That's when you fall in love with your offer and you can actually sell from love. But you gotta go and do the renditions. Make it a pilot, a focus group, a, you know, a founder's version, a, you know, 1.0, 2.0. And by the time you get to 7.0, it's ready and you're ready to actually often what happens is we don't even get to we sell it the first time it's like oh only two people signed up or i didn't get enough we don't go back to revisit what didn't work and fix it for number two for number three number four and so many brilliant beautiful ideas and products and services don't actually get out because it wasn't right and perfect the first time and it's not gonna be
0: the iterative nature of that right and To me, the uh, personification of that today is tell people what happened to you during COVID. If you're a leader and you got off scot-free, I think you're probably not telling the truth. So if you can be real and express to people what you went through during this period, very good chance that people are going to identify with whatever it is you went through because... There will be a percentage of the people that you're going to come into contact with who are also going to have gone through something almost identical. And there's comfort in knowing that if this person in that position is able to be able to be that real, then really what you're doing is you're giving everyone around you the opportunity to to do the same. Mm -hmm. And that's really the most important thing that we all can do right now is to allow your clients, your prospects, your employees, really anyone that you're going to come into contact with to know that that door is open. To me, from a competitive differentiation standpoint, just doing that in and of itself. And this is really what we're saying. Like if there's a, a key to this whole discussion is if you can be real in a time when we have historically been taught to present the very best version of ourselves, then you really do give yourself the best possible chance of that differentiation strategy that we're saying is so vitally important uh, for success. Yeah,
1: and I think we can use the how real we show up as a compass on the degree of comfort we have with ourselves. So if I'm comfortable with who my, who I am, I am secure in my value and worth and what I bring to the table. Even if I don't know or have to ask for help or say I made a mistake or tell people that I have no clue, or I struggled through this too, when we can come from that place and still feel like, yeah, I'm still like amazing and an awesome human being giving it my best shot every day that I show up and get to live in this world and have this life experience That is that place of true and natural confidence. And that's where we really want. And I I believe that that's our work. Our work is to come from that because how you show up is how you're going to make decisions for your business, for your clients, and for your employees. And so if you're not in alignment and you're on that frenetic, um, not enough, can't fear, all those things, the decisions you make as a leader are going to have a, a, a tremendous impact on how the rest of the company shows up and the results that you get as a result of it.
0: Well, and if you think about it, because most everyone has an open slot on their team, most everyone is looking for partners that maybe whomever it was I may have used in this category doesn't even exist anymore. So now I need to find someone new to do this work for me. There's so much um, audit and review going on in those categories that we, first and foremost, we don't really have a good understanding of what anyone's criteria are right now with respect to the ways that they're going about making those evaluations. So why not just be honest at this point? Because even if you present what you believe to be the approach that would be the, uh, the biggest attractor, there's no way to know. So, this is what I was going to ask you is like from, from your modeling perspective, like what would be some of the measurements? How, how can we help people with how they can measure things given where we are in this transformation?
1: So, you know, I'd always look at a couple of things. What is it that you're looking to create and what is the outcome and the change that you want to have happen? And so there's this place of where do you come from? What's the big vision of the outcome that you want to create and what will be the measurement and criteria that will hold you true to that? At the same time, you know, I believe whatever you value is going to determine how you make those decisions. And so it becomes really important, especially when we've had an influx of change, change that we didn't invite in, but happened to us and some would say for us to wake us up in some regard, um, how has this awakened you to show up as an even more evolved and conscious human being and leader? And so when I think about how things were, And then we all talk about getting back to normal. What's that normal that we're moving towards? And I think about last year, Like I really enjoyed the slowdown. I love the fact that I was seeing people baking bread and in their family rooms playing board games. And I love that because for me, in a moment, it just reminded, I think for all of us, it connected to us, connected us back to what's most important. What I'm finding now is everyone is super busy moving super fast. My concern is, as a result, the decisions that we're making are coming from a place of fear of missing out, fear of not taking advantage of an opportunity, fear of being shortcut because you didn't jump on the bandwagon. I'm excited to see what, as a human race, we create and what's going to come out of this because we will be better for it because we've learned. But what we need to do as leaders is step back and say, you know, what what are your values? What is your bigger vision for yourself and for your company? Use that as the compass and guide the love for the life and leadership you want to have, not the fear of what you might miss out on or get shortchanged on, or the fear of not getting on that bus fast enough.
0: We're going to leave it right there. And if anyone is at at all intrigued about this concept, Finca, how might they learn more about uh, your work and what you've done?
1: Wonderful. Thanks, Roger. Um, So you can learn more about Sell From Love at sellfromlove.com. And uh, there you can find more resources on uh, the book. And another great place to start would be to really understand, you know, what is that opportunity or gap uh, from a selling and leadership perspective. And so there's a self from love test that you can take as well that helps identify, you know, is your opportunity in loving yourself, loving your client or loving your offer. And it gives you some practical ways that you can close the gap. So you could earn more profit, expand your reach and make a difference in the clients you are seeking to serve.
0: So there you have it. I really, really enjoyed that interview and the idea of selling the outline If there's one thing that you can take away from this discussion, I think the idea that everything that we're going to be working on going forward is iterative. You're not going to have had the opportunity to have practiced to the degree necessary to be coming off as an expert right now. And given how much things have changed since COVID happened, the likelihood of you sort of having everything all buttoned up into a tidy little package is probably not really accurate. So feeling confident that you can put yourself out there and represent yourself in a really authentic way and be willing to say that there's going to be instances when you just don't know the answer to things, but that you're willing to be able to do the research necessary to bring an answer back to someone in a moment when they're seeking some clarity and some help is going to be super, super important. So I hope that you got some value out of that discussion. Please like and share this around. If you've not subscribed to the show, please do that. It does wonders for us in our rankings and gives us the ability to continue to bring high quality guests to the show with even more interesting discussion topics than the one that we had today. I look forward to our next episode in two weeks time. Until then, this is Roger signing off.